Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Break it down, news of the day, none other than the incomparable Ida Rodriguez, comedian, author, and well, fighting words on HBO Max, all-star, author of Legitimate Kid, fascinating human being, going to be an amazing analysis. Top story of the day, the killers of the young Elijah McClain. If you remember, the young man who died like this, here it is. Hey, stop right there. Stop, 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 stop. I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. Turn around, turn around, turn around. Stop, stop tensing up, dude. Stop tensing up, bro. Stop tensing up. Stop tensing up. Bring one. What is the address of the emergency? So there's a guy. He's walking south on Billing Street. He has a mask on. He looks sketchy. He might be. A good person or a bad person? Yeah. No, I am an introvert. Please respect the boundaries that I am speaking. Relax. Stop. Stop. I'm going home. Relax or I'm going to have to change the situation. Yes. I intend to take my power back. And I intend to be comfortable with him, okay? Simple. You have to be gun, dude. Stop, dude. Stop. 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 Okay. All right. Side. I'm gonna straddle him. Figure for his legs. Recovery position. Trust me. Recovery. Recovery. I have his legs. I have his legs. I'm here. Where's this my body? Where's my body? He's under eighteen. He got him. He's still fighting us in the ground. Oh man, it's Elijah McClain. Yeah, but he's karate. That's what I was doing. I was just going home. What? I'm an introvert and I'm different. If you keep messing around, we'll put, I'm bring my dog out. He's going to dog bite you. You understand me? Keep messing around. So when the ambulance gets here, we're going to go ahead and give him some All the dogs are okay. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect, yeah, dude. Perfect. Thanks. He's drawing up ketamine here. Right? Okay. You want to give that before we... Yeah. So once he gets out here, I'm going to hit him in the right shoulder. What do you hear is the plotting of a young man's death. There's more. knowing that all of this could have been avoided if it had just been for human laws that were just. I have to make sure this doesn't happen anymore. Put up the picture full mass of this gentle soul who was murdered. <clears throat> Elijah McClain, unarmed was 23 years of age at the time. He died after he was subdued by police and then injected with ketamine <clears throat> by paramedics. 
2019. Put up the picture of one killer who has been convicted. Randy Rodima, one of the Aurora, Colorado police officers who was arrested, indicted, and prosecuted for the death of this beautiful soul. He was found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and assault by a jury on Thursday. Don't celebrate this conviction, I'm going to tell you why. At the same time, a second officer, put him up. The other one who contributed to the death, Jason Rosenblatt, was acquitted of all charges against him, including reckless manslaughter and assault. The jury reached a verdict after deliberating for 16 hours over a period of three days. So when the cop who was acquitted received the news, he hugged his attorneys and wiped away tears after his verdict was announced. He also hugged members of his co-conspirators family. Reed Elkis, an attorney for Rodima, comforted the officer's wife after the verdict, saying, quote, he may not go to jail. The sentencing has been scheduled for January 5th. Another quote that we can hear is, he's okay, he's okay, it's not mandatory. The attorney says to the wife. Shanine McClain, Elijah McClain's mother, told CNN affiliate KUSA. After the verdict, quote, this is not justice. She said the cop's guilty verdict is not enough. Adding the officer was not acting alone in what led to her son's death. Quote, this is not a victory for me at all. This is not a victory for the human race. This is not justice, Ms. McLean told KUSA. They have an eternal judgment that they have yet to see. And no matter how they try to clean up their slate, they still have my son's blood on their hands. I agree 100%. Put up all of the killers of Elijah McClain. You see, in 2021, a grand jury indicted three officers and two paramedics. You see them there. All of these individuals orchestrated their actions in a manner that led to the death of a young, courageous, and beautiful human being named Elijah McClain. A third officer, Nathan Woodyard, and two paramedics, Trita McClain, Jeremy Cooper, and Peter Sachinik, are set to go on trial in the coming weeks. We will follow that. They have also pleaded not guilty. Put up Elijah McClain again. I remember when when this happened, um, I reported on it obviously on my radio show. uh, And it was one of the most difficult stories. um, And it still is today. You know, that young man had such a heart. He used to take his violin to play songs for the local 
animal shelter. <clears throat> they had no regard for his life. And I hope to God they get everything they deserve, every single one of them. All right, dear sister, what are your thoughts? To be in the constant state of rage <laughs> is uh, the existence of people of color and black people in this country and abroad. Um, I think that irony to hear someone say, don't tense up, man, don't tense up, right. stop tensing up. Talking to a young black man who is surrounded by police officers with the history of law enforcement and black people in this country, someone who um, obviously was a very gentle spirit and probably didn't have an ounce of violence in him. Um, you know, white supremacy is real. It reigns through law enforcement. It reigns through the medical system. It is not something that is relegated to people in you know, wearing robes and yep. marching and setting crosses on fire. And we have to stop having these dumb conversations and stop pretending like it is not something that is not just prevalent, but it's also abundant in this country. Every single one of us who have melanin in our skin tense up when the police is behind us, whether they're pulling us over or not, because we don't know if that's the day we have someone that belongs to a white supremacist group sitting in the vehicle with power to execute and harass and just, you know, you hear the stories about all this stuff, especially when you think about women who have been sexually assaulted by law enforcement. Yep. So just to hear this story again, it is we live, you know, we're, our wound is constantly agitated, Dr. Ricky, every single time, Dr. Richie. Our wounds are constantly being agitated because we have been watching this our entire lives. Yep. This is not something that just started happening five years ago. We were born into this. Our parents were born into this. Our grandparents were born into this. And it is exhausting. It is exhausting. And, you know, people take for granted that all of us are good people who are ill-tempered, well, are mild-tempered and will not, you know... How much do you think you can just go around mistreating people and there will be no consequences? Right, and you said something very powerful that I would like to echo um, about how we all tense up. <clears throat> and what happens, regardless of why the police are there, you could be the one who called them because you need them. Yep. There's this subtle realization on our mind at all times that something could happen today. With these officers, even though we've done nothing wrong, that could change my life forever. That's always there. Football coach was shocked by a parent because the coach did not start the parent's child. That's exactly what happened. Put the picture of full mask. Tell them a story. In St. Louis. 30-year-old Shaquille Moore, Lattimore, a youth football coach, has been hospitalized in critical but stable condition. He was shot multiple times Tuesday evening by Sherman Park during practice. The violent act allegedly committed by a father who was upset about his son's lack of playing time. All right, Relatives told the St. Louis Dispatch, Lattimore was, uh, has undergone surgery and is now in good spirits. He was shot in the leg, arm, the back, and abdomen. 
bullets injuring some of his internal organs, but he is alive and stable. 43-year-old Father Daryl Clements. So damn sad. He's been charged Wednesday with first degree assault and armed criminal action. Um, honestly, he should be charged with attempted murder, in my opinion. Clemens does not yet have an attorney who could speak on his behalf. He remains jailed without bond. Mr. Lattimore said the parent first confronted him several weeks ago, but this time a feud ensued. And it ended with Clemens shooting Lattimore several times in the front, in front of the team. Uh, the team is made up of nine and 10 year old children. The Urban League of Metropolitan St. Louis is partnering with the city to offer counseling to the players and others who witnessed the shooting. Lattimore, a former high school football player, volunteers as an assistant coach and defensive coordinator for a city recreational league called the St. Louis Bad Boys and coaches with his cousin, Lattimore's little league football. Uh, football team is made up of primarily seven to 10 year old altogether. Lattimore is married and the father of two daughters and three sons. His kids sometimes come to practices with him, but they were not there during the shooting. So I'm going to give you some background to this shooting and there's a way that we can actually help. At Tuesday's practice, Lattimore and Clemens had his back uh, Lattimore said Clemens had his back turned and kept reaching into his pocket, the pocket of his sweatsuit before opening fire. Quote, I didn't see his gun until it was already too late, Lattimore said. I ran and he shot me in the back. I fell and he shot me a couple of more times. Once again, as I said, he should have been charged with murder, uh, attempted murder. Lattimore said Clemens then stood over him, taunting him and pacing back and forth. After he shot me, Lattimore recalled, he was like, I told you I was going to pop your. Lattimore said some of the other adults shielded him. Those are heroes. Uh, and Clemens then ran off. Lattimore said Clemens coached the team a few years ago before Lattimore joined as a coach. After every game, he would try to critique me, Lattimore said. Lattimore's mother, uh, said Miko Lattimore, said she was familiar with Clemens from his antics at previous practices. He was a little extra, she said. You always knew he was there, end quote. Of the shooting, she said, quote, it's senseless. We're supposed to be bringing these kids off the streets and teaching them what to do, what not to do. We've got all these kids traumatized because their coach was shot in front of them. He could have easily hit one of those children. Ms. Lattimore said her son did not play favorites. Quote, Shaquille is one of those fair coaches. So he tries to rotate all of the kids in. That's the idea of recreational sports, by the way. The parent was a little unhappy and wanted his kid to do more than someone else and was upset the way things were being done. Let's put up the GoFundMe. His family and friends are trying to raise money for his medical bills. We are part of that extended village. We are his family and friends as well. United together for Coach Shaq, all right? 
You can go to the GoFundMe. I'm going to ask that you do the very best you can. That is him in his coach form. Right now, he's not doing that great. All right, he's not on his feet. He's healing. He's having surgery and is likely to have more in the future because of a senseless act from an individual who cannot or could not deal with life on life's terms. And let me say this about the trauma beyond the shooting to the coach. You work in areas like this in order to provide mentorship to those who need it. I've done the same. I continue to do the same. There's a baseball team that a friend and I, we decided to fund. And then we could not find a coach. So we had to become the coaches for this team. It was to make sure they had something to do after school. Now, we weren't concerned about win-loss ratio. We wanted competition, but not to the degree of harming anyone. It was about creating relationship, connection, providing an example. So for the father who decided to go in front of children and once again, in my opinion, try to kill somebody in front of them. Whatever justice he gets, he deserves. He deserves. Now, it's sad and unfortunate because you have a child who has lost his father in a way because of the criminal justice system. But the actions he committed warrant prosecution. All right. Hell of a story. We're pulling for you, Coach Shaq. Thank you for all that you do. All right. I have thoughts here. Um, you know, I, I'm just really concerned about the mental state of men in this country. We have, mm. an, you know, a rise in suicide. We have a rise in mental issues. Men are socialized not to express their feelings. I agree with you. I think that uh, anybody who, you know, puts children in harm's way, because when you pull out a gun in the presence of others, everybody who's in, in the proximity of the gun is in danger. And so we all know that so many people have lost their lives because someone pulled out a gun for one particular person and others took the hit. So, you know, I mean, it is negligence. It is disrespectful to the institution, the people who are there banding themselves together to create a positive space for children. I hate to see, you know, black men having to become subject to the criminal justice system that's already designed to to keep them there forever. So, and to keep the the shackles of, uh, you know, our past going forward. So I think this is horrible, but, you know, I'm a single mom and uh, my son played football. He was on an optimist team. And I watched the behaviors of some of the parents out there. And we got to check our emotions. Children are observational learners. They are watching us. And if we teach them to deal with conflict through violence and, and, you know, now there's no future for them because we saw what happened to Elijah. Elijah wasn't even committing a crime. He just looked suspicious. So it's not stacked in our favor. And we have to learn to teach our children to process their emotions in a healthy way. And one of the greatest ways we do that is by behaving like adults. There you go. The power of example. Um, Children are not always listening, but they are always learning. Leave that, all right? A black student has gone viral because the school decided he was not worthy of education. 
because he has a particular hairstyle. Put up the picture full mask. We have an update to this story. Black student sent was sent to an alternative school over his locks, his hairstyle. In an update, Daryl George, after serving more than a month of in-school suspension over his dreadlocks, over his hair, over his hairstyle, the Texas student was told he will be removed from his high school and sent to the alternative school. They call it alternative education program. George, 18 years of age, is a junior at Barber's Hill High School and has been suspended since August 31st. He will be sent to what's called EPIC, E-P-I-C. It's an alternative program from August 12th through November 29th for, and I quote, failure to comply. Sounds familiar? With multiple campus and classroom regulations, the principal said, in a Wednesday letter provided to the Associated Press by the family, okay? For that, what you're looking at right there, nothing behavioral, just a unique hairstyle that happens to be unique to black people, okay? There's more, let's put them up full mass. Principal, what's about to happen, sir, is called pressure. You decided to put this young man under significant pressure because of your own bias and lack of understanding. Now I'm here to provide a level of education for you. The principal who made this decision is Lance Murphy. Principal Lance Murphy wrote that George has repeatedly violated the district's quote, previously communicated standards of student conduct. Let me pause on this point to keep his picture up. Principal Murphy, a hairstyle is not classified as conduct, sir. There's more. The letter also says that George will be allowed to return to regular classroom instruction on November 30th, but will not be allowed to return to his high school's campus until then unless he's there to discuss his conduct with school administrators. Keep up the picture. So let me get this right. He's able to come back without, uh, as you would say, complying as long as he's punished. Uh, But if he comes back to discuss his alleged behavior, uh, he can come back to the school, no problem. You see, the fact that you are creating allowances is indicative of the fact that this is not a behavioral issue. If this was a behavioral issue, you cannot come to this school whatsoever because you are creating a disruption. You have a behavioral dynamic that will adversely impact the operations of this institution. But because it is not, you are providing opportunity for him to come back to the institution as long as he comes back either A, punished, or B, to kiss your ass. Principal, George's mother. Derisha George, okay, and the family's attorney, Ali Booker, deny the teenager's hairstyle, hairstyle violates anything. It doesn't violate the dress code either. The family last month filed a formal complaint with the Texas Education Agency and a federal civil rights lawsuit against the state's governor and attorney general because they failed 
to enforce the new law that actually outlaws discrimination based on hairstyle. Laws are not recommendations, gentlemen. All right, the family alleges Georgia's suspension uh, and the um, subsequent discipline violate the state's Crown Act, which took effect September 1st. The law, an acronym for create a respectful and open world for natural hair, is intended to prohibit race-based hair discrimination and bars employers and schools from penalizing people because of their hair texture or protective hairstyles, including afros, braids, locks, twists, and two knots. A federal version passed in the U.S. House last year, but was not successful in the Senate. The school district also filed a lawsuit in state district court asking a judge to clarify whether it's a dress code restriction limiting student hair length for boys, if that violates the Crown Act. The lawsuit was filed in the Chambers County East of Houston. All right, let me give you more background. Georgia School previously clashed with two other black male students over the dress code. Barbers Hill officials told cousins DeAndre Arnold and Caden Bradford that they had to cut their locks in 2020. Their family sued the district in May 2020, and a federal judge later ruled the district's hair policy was, in fact, discriminatory. Their pending case helped spur Texas lawmakers to approve the state's Crown Act. Both students withdrew from the school, with Bradford returning after the judge's ruling. So, what do you have here? You have the law on the side of black people, you have the judicial ruling on the side of Black people. You have the sentiment of the legislature on the side of black people. But you have one white male, put him up again. The principal who has decided to ignore what we call judicial ruling, which creates case law. He has decided to ignore state statutory law, and obviously decided to ignore what we consider to be the will of the legislature. Sir, as I said, this is called pressure. All right, Ida, this is insanity. Big ups to my girl, um, Ajoa Absamoa, who worked uh, works on the has been working on the Crown Act mm-hmm. for many years. Um, you know, it's the policing of black bodies. Yep. It's the continuous believing that you have the right to manage, manipulate, touch. You know, I've had people try to move me out the way without consent. People touch my hair without my permission. And as we get darker, it gets worse because the treatment of black people gets worse as as the, the hues of our skin get gets darker. But the the you know the reality, the I think with the, the interesting thing, Dr. Richie, is that it's amazing how they criminalize our styles. Um, you know, I I'm a a Puerto Rican Dominican woman who identifies with my African roots. And I grew up with my hair braided, you know, honoring the the people from my past, my my ancestors, how it's criminalized. And it is, it has such a negative connotation when we do it. But when you look at the runways in Europe, you see Mark Jacobs having band two knots on there, on the Kendall Jenner saying he came up with it. 
You see, you know, mm-hmm. people wearing the 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 braid styles that were part of, you know, some people's passage to safety during slavery. They have meanings to us. It's not just, you know, and we have the right to fashion without heaviness, but it, it has meaning to us. And then they get to rock it and it's just fashionable. They own it. They steal it. They claim it. But then when we own it, they want to attach such a negative connotation to it. And that's not cool. It's not cool. Not cool at all. And really, I mean, frankly, the school board should be looking into this because you have a principal who's literally creating a liability for the entire district. This is not a good thing regardless of how you look at it. And even if you have a personal opinion that's contrary to the law, the law is the law. You got an issue here. All right, we will bring you updates as they come. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free! Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Is there anything that would disqualify him from your vote? Helen, keep impeaching him. I mean, keep keep indicting him. The more you indict him, the more you show how desperately you do not want him in there, the more I want him there. Why is that? What is it that gives you that fuel from the indictment? Because they're horse. I'm sorry. (laughs) They're ridiculous. They're jokes. We should have paper ballots. We should have one day to go in and vote. And if you don't have the time to go vote, why are you even in this country? Don't you want more people to to vote? I want more legal residents to vote. Sure. Right. But if let's say someone's working two jobs, they have to pick their kids up at school and they can't get there to vote on the one day because it's not. all. I I know you want it to be a holiday, but as it is now, and I think a lot of people would agree with you as it is now, it's not. So isn't expanding voter access important? Expanding voter access is critically important. But and I will say this, we've proven to ourselves that we can't be trusted. We've proven it. How? Look at the 2020 election. I was a single working mom, two kids. My first husband was deployed constantly overseas. And you know what? I made it a priority to be there to vote on voting day. Right, but wouldn't it have been easier? I'm just asking, wouldn't it have been easier if there were four days where you could go in with the same? You know, I'm sure it wasn't easy for those guys that died in the Revolutionary War. And I'm Nothing, sure but, but I think that but, they probably but, fought for. Fought for, so for the, the least that you can do is show up and vote. For people that have died, so no, I don't buy that. I That, to me, is a joke. If you care about freedom, if you care about... Well, did they care about freedom? Absolutely, they died for it. They were slave owners. The, oh, my gosh. So, you know... No, I'm just asking. That's why... You really want to know who the original slave owners are? I mean, let's talk about the human condition. I'm just asking. You're t- so like out of one side, you're saying, and I, I understand what you're saying. They How believed in freedom. Slave owners even get into that. Well, because freedom. That's what I'm talking about. They believed in freedom slave. I mean, we're in Charleston, right? This was the biggest port in America at that time for the slave trade. So I'm asking when when you say that the that they believed in freedom. You know, it's it's a little hypocritical historically, is it not? Absolutely. Have you read history? I mean, like, let's talk about the Jewish folks. They've been they were slaves for how many thousands of years? Christians were slaves forever. We can talk about there. There are many. Let's go back. Our founding fathers were indentured servants. Most of them were fleeing the British rule because they were slaves themselves. So I don't buy this whole, you know, it's a challenge and and slavery. Listen, 
the only reason why people are talking about race now, people are talking about slavery now, tell me one person here who has in one generation been a slave to anybody. Nobody has. I'm just talking, I'm not talking about the founding fathers. I didn't bring them up. I was just asking. I was just asking because you brought up freedom. They believed in freedom. They did. So I asked. Yeah. And they did. Okay. And they got it. Excellent. You see that, that ending remark that whoop um, is conclusive that you're dealing with a Karen. Now, uh, big ups to our colleague who does a remarkable job going into enemy territory uh, and getting these uh, interactions or these reactions. It's good to know because she represents the vast majority of thinking inside of the Trump camp, all right? Make no mistake about it. These individuals believe just like that. And that's the reason you see bigoted conversations becoming legislation. Florida has a law now that says, you know, you got to teach that slavery provided benefit. Well, that's because they say that stuff at their dinner tables at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. on a standard weekday. That's the reason. So now you literally see the conversations of bigots now permeating into statutory law. All right. Um, obviously, uh, somebody needs to get her a history book and a clue. She has absolutely no idea what she's talking about. But here's the thing. It is what she believes. And it doesn't matter what facts you present because she's indoctrinated. What does indoctrinated actually mean? Indoctrinated simply means you no longer have the ability to critically think about what you believe. That's all it means. You do not have the ability to critically think about what you believe. You can be very common sense about everything else, cause and effect, logical. You can come across as you know a reasonable human being except in the places you are indoctrinated. And this is what's happening inside of the Trump camp. And listen, the danger is they are among us. They are um, our coworkers, they are our judges, they are attorneys, they are school teachers. They're the person driving next to you. They're the person serving you your food. The personality permeates in the culture. All right, I had thoughts here. You know, it's so funny because uh, these people, she, it, they are so contradictory within their own group. Yes. Like Larry Elder, she is part of the problem because she's a single mother. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, they look down on her and they're like, you're part of the reason why society is a mess because you, you don't, you can't keep a husband, girl. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact is that these people that are around, they're dangerous. They weaponize themselves. When we talk about white women, um, which, you know, I always am marvel at the fact that some of them side with the men who actually proverbially sit them in the back of the bus as well yep. and make them second class citizens. The fact that they come over to us and then they 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 want to bask in the victimhood of being minorities. But when they these people show up and they have the opportunity to weaponize their whiteness against us, they do it and they do it proudly and loudly. And so when I see this woman talking about, well, first of all, you said it, you know it better than I do. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, but secondly, the fact that she's so loud about it, like that, the fact that she's so, you, you know, the cult is real. And when we say it's a cult, people are to think that is hyperbole. No, this is a cult. These people really believe you know, these things that they say, nobody oppresses that group more than the people that they worship. Mm 
Nobody insults their intelligence more than the people that they worship because they know that they feed them whatever bull and they will buy it. And it's easy to move them because they don't think for themselves. Meanwhile, they are also the victims of what's happening by way of these people. They are they don't have health care, the proper health care. They don't have that, you know, they don't have the, the resources to have the best life that they can. But what I feel that it is in my soul is that they rather bite their noses to spite their faces because racism is not a deal breaker for them because they participate in it heavily. So they will rather struggle. But as long as they feel like they're better than us, they all right. You know what? That's you hit that off the park. That is so true. Um, and it was done by design. They will vote against their own self-interest because they think it adversely impacts people who are black. And because of that, they will be okay with it, knowing that they would benefit from the social, from the economic, from the access to education in ways that would significantly transform their personal lives. But because it would help those who are people of color too, they would vote against their own self-interest, believing that somehow their white skin is superior. And they're still voting along the lines of their white skin. It's insane. All right, we got more. Yeah, we got more on the other side. Indisputable, stick and stuff. Seventeen deputy sheriffs, same department. Well, they have been indicted, charged with fraud, COVID relief. Fraud. Put up the picture, full mass. Now they're claiming this was not some kind of massive conspiracy, just a coincidence. <laughs> it was announced Thursday that 17 Florida deputies of the Broward Sheriff's Office are accused of falsifying paperwork to collect money under government programs meant to help keep small businesses alive during the COVID pandemic. Officials allege the fraud came from assistance offered by the PPP loan and the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Programs. Charges were brought in 17 separate cases filed in the US District Court for the Southern District of Florida. All are charged with fraud, eight of them work in law enforcement, including a sergeant, nine of them work in the Department of Detention, including another sergeant, US Attorney, uh, his name is LaPointe said, the officers are accused of diverting funds for their personal use and made clear it was not done in performance of their official duties. Collectively, the 17 individuals took about 500,000 bucks. He said, our office and our law enforcement partners will continue to uncover the fraud schemes and hold anyone involved accountable. Our work is not done. This investigation is ongoing. Uh, let's put him up, Sheriff Gregory Tony. Okay, we've had him. In our crosshairs before. So, Sheriff Tony also said the employees were initially suspended um, with pay. So, you could steal money and still make money. I mean, being an officer or something else. So, they were suspended with pay on October 6th, then without pay on Thursday. But none have been told to resign. They're going to wait for the results of the investigation. 
Uh, per the South Florida Sun Sentinel, Tony said the investigation began in 2021 because of an unrelated internal affairs investigation of an employee when they discovered loan fraud. So you basically have a proper investigation taking place in something separate. And during the proper investigation, they uncovered possible criminal activity, which allows them to investigate that possible criminal act. That's what you have here. The public corruption unit received a tip from an employee that several employees have committed, may have committed PPP fraud, he said. Okay. As they reviewed who among the BSO's 5,600 employees had obtained a PPD or EIDL loan, investigators realized the fraud could be more widespread. They then began to look into all of the employees who applied for the loan. Tony said it narrowed down to about 100 people. LaPointe, who's, who's your federal prosecutor, said that of those, only one had been cleared. So basically 100%, but that one, all right? No details were shared about the status of the other cases, um, other than to say the investigation is ongoing. The investigation was handed over to the US Attorney's Office to pursue under its South Florida COVID-19 Fraud Strike Force team and was conducted jointly with the Office of Inspector General for the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the County Sheriff's Office. A few detention deputies reached out to the union, all right, to find out their options. Last week, they were suspended, said Tony Marciano the secretary and treasurer of the detention deputies union. He said the deputies had their uniforms, guns and badges taken away. Yeah, that's kind of what happens when you're told to get the hell up out of here. All right, uh, quote, the majority of detention deputies are hardworking, good people, people make mistakes. I gotta say this, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a fan of unions who cannot tell the truth. And typically police unions are among them. Um, but sir, you got to be the worst damn spokesperson I have seen in a long time. You have basically said they're guilty, all right? If I were a prosecutor, I would utilize your statement and say, sir, when you say they made a mistake, are you talking about uh, they did, in fact, steal the money? Is that what you mean? Is that what you mean by that? There's more. The South Florida U.S. Attorney's Office, hell of a thing, has been pursuing cases, pandemic. Relief fraud cases involving the program, which was run by the Small Business Administration, aka SBA, and high profile convictions have included the daughter of the former mayor, a sheriff's office detention technician who received a loan for a business that didn't even exist, according to the evidence, a political consultant, and two former Miami police officers. Now, before I read you these names, why would the police not think they could steal your money? You got to think about this, the psychology that exists or permeates inside of policing in general. Why would they not believe they could steal your money? That's why, because they can kill people and get away with it. They have a license to do these things. And all of a sudden, a whole machine will come to their defense. People they've never met before will give them money. Raising over a million dollars just because you shot and killed someone that was unarmed. Why would you ever believe that person would not think they could steal federal money? 
All right, let's put the names up of the indicted. It's a lot of them. I'm going to read every single one of them. Stephanie Diane Smith, Lakeitha Lawhorn, Jean-Pierre Toussaint, Alexander Costa, George Anthony III, Rory Brown, Derek J. Nesbitt, Marcus Arol Powell. All right, so those are the uh, cops. Those are your deputy sheriffs. Let me go to your detention officers. Keith Dunkley, Katrina Brown, Jewel Farrell Johnson, Cassandra Tamisha Davis, Carolyn Denise Wade, Alexis Monique Green, Richie Noah Dubujan, Alan Dorville, and Ansi Morency, all indicted. We got that from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Uh, this is the largest takedown of officers uh, in decades, right? Maybe. Uh, the sheriff's office crackdown is one of the largest single agency uh, crackdowns in South Florida since Miami River, uh, River Cop scandal. In the late 1980s, nearly 10% of the Miami Police Department was arrested, fired, suspended, or reprimanded after a drug-related scandal, which included officers planning to fly small planes loaded with about 400 to 500 kilograms shipments of cocaine from Colombia to either Mexico or the Bahamas, uh, then to transport the drugs to Miami for nationwide distribution. Uh, that scandal also included them actively recruiting drug dealers to become police officers. Wow. All right, Ida, thoughts here. You know, I grew up in Miami, so it's it's like, wow. You know, every time Florida pops up in the media, I cringe because I'm like, what story is going to outdo the last story? Right. But, you know, isn't it, isn't it interesting that cops commit crimes and they get to investigate the cops? They kill people and then the cop, they were like, hold on, the cops will be investigating the cops. We'll be right back with you with the with what exactly. We and it is just, you know, our, we need a wash. This country needs a wash. Our judicial system, our legal system. It's just we the corruption is so deep, deep, deep that. You know, our our country's a joke. People look at us from abroad and are like, this is supposed to be a superpower. Look at these people. But I got a my company got a, a loan during COVID because I needed to keep my production afloat. And you know what I did? I paid it back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I paid the money back yeah. because I know there are consequences and repercussions for stuff like that, especially for someone like me who does not have the privilege of of hiding behind a badge. Yep. But, you know, I just think it's egregious. It's gotten to the point where it's ridiculous. And every time we hear these stories, how much more do we need to allow th these systems to continue going before the American people say, I'm going to stop employing these people because these people work for me? It's ridiculous. That's right. And here's the thing. What they are accused of is a crime of moral turpitude, which yeah. also means let's, let's now look at what they put on affidavits. Because yeah. if they lie about this, they lie about that. Have they lied about investigations? Have they testified falsely under oath? We now need to look at all of the investigative dynamics in their history. Typically, that doesn't happen, but always have to state it for the record. A man tasered, okay, unlawfully, by the way. The department admits that. He gets brain damage because of it. Here's the video, I have the background. Stop! Stop! Stop there! I got him. I got him. 
Oh, ah, shit. 10 3. Ah. Okay. 583 to radio. 583 to radio. Signal 4, one time, code ah. 1. Black male, last to his head, fell off a wall. Ah. Hold on, sir. Way on your side. Ah. Go on your side. Yeah, I just did. Put up the picture full of mass. I'm going to explain where the violation came in at. Okay. A black man now suffers brain damage after an encounter that took place in 2021. There's a lawsuit that has been filed. Angelo Black, a Georgia man, has filed a lawsuit against a Gwinnett County police officer after. He was left with brain damage from an encounter with the police on October 21st, 2021. Mr. Black was a passenger in a vehicle that was pulled over by members of the Gwinnett County Police Department, including Officer Chase Weber. According to the lawsuit filed on October 11th, the vehicle Black was riding in was pulled over due to a broken taillight. And rather than issuing the driver a ticket, the police removed him from the vehicle, placed him in the backseat of the police cruiser. Black was also removed from the vehicle. He ran when officers began to frisk him. Weber gave chase and used a taser on Mr. Black as he attempted to run through the parking lot of the Steak and Shake located at 2010, 2110, excuse me, Pleasant Hill Road, causing him to fall off a median. And unto the concrete, unable to break his fall after the shock from the stun gun. Black fell directly on his head, and video footage of the incident shows blood pouring out of his head as he lay on the concrete moaning. We had to blur that part out. Black was taken to the Gwinnett County Medical Center and was diagnosed with skull and brain injuries. It was significant. The 43 year old suffers from ongoing emotional distress. With significant PTSD type symptoms, including sadness, anxiety, stress, anger, depression, frustration, sleeplessness, nightmares, and flashbacks. The lawsuit contends that Weber knew or should have known, the cop who's trained, knew or should have known that if he deployed his taser, it could lead to the death or seriously bodily injury for Mr. Black. Um, let's put her up. So Atlanta Blackstar reached out to the Gwinnett County Police Department for comment, okay? And although Sergeant Michelle Piera responded that the agency could not provide any additional statements on this case because of the pending litigation, the spokesperson said Weber, quote, is not an active employee of the Gwinnett County Police Department. Piera also sent the GCPD's taser policy. Now keep in mind, she said, we can't say anything. But he doesn't work anymore. And I'm going to provide this quote to you from our existing language. What does the quote say? Authorized users, meaning trained. Authorized users should avoid deploying the ECW on persons next to swimming pools on elevated platforms. Or other place or other places where a fall can be more injurious. The lawsuit is asking for punitive damages on all of his claims against the defendant personally to redress his willful, malicious, wanton, and reckless fraudulent conduct. 
Okay, this story is not about someone running from the police. That person running has not swore and affirmed to protect and serve. The person running is not receiving a check from the government and is not accountable to the taxpayer. That person running is running. It's called an adverse interaction. It happened. That's why we have the police. Police, however, they have responsibilities, obligations. We get to hold them accountable because government takes our money to pay for these services as an expression of the common will of us, not of themselves. So we don't want people dying because you decided to break protocol. We don't want people having brain injuries because you decided not to adhere to the policies and standards that you said you would. So the reason why cops give chase is because one, you don't know why the person is running. There's no felony that's been committed. You don't shoot them in the back just because they're running. These are rules that must be followed. And when you deploy a taser, the rules that you broke could lead to the death. That's the reason this lawsuit is relevant, completely relevant. All right, um, Ada thoughts, Ada thoughts. I mean, what 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 can be said that hasn't already been said here? That when we talk about black bodies, we're talking about people still see property. They see they don't see human beings. And you know the the odd, not the odd thing. The annoying thing is that we talk about these stories and things that happened in 2021. This is not happening in 1816. This yep. is not happening in 1910. This is happening in 2021. And we are still saying, stop killing us, stop touching us, stop handling us. It is infuriating and exhausting. The taillight thing, remember we said earlier on the show, we tense up whenever we get pulled over by the cops. The taillight talk we've I've had with both of my children. Don't be driving around without a with a broken taillight. That's that's cost many a lives. You are something as minor as a broken taillight for somebody else. It is a a trigger for terror for people of color and black people in America. Yep. You know, this story obviously is going to go through the court system. So we will bring you updates as it develops. We got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. White. Female walks into a police precinct, open fire, opens fire, and they apprehend her. Here it is. The video is pretty straightforward. Walks in, she's being aggressive, and continues to be aggressive. Nobody has shot her yet. This is amazing. What you're witnessing is a miracle here. And then as they ignore the individual, this happens. Okay. And still, there is no assault. The grenades and the bombs or whatever else they have at that precinct, they don't come out. The cops come out with tasers, okay? 
what you're about to see, if someone told you this is the way it happened, you would never believe it without a video. Look at the taser. She was shooting at them. Put up the picture full mass. I'm not saying she should have died. I'm actually always in celebration of life being preserved because I believe life is precious. But I want to make the point that if they were able to restrain themselves in their own precinct, to not kill a person who's shooting at them in their own precinct, that obviously everyone would have understood why you shot her if you did. They came running out. Did you see the taser? The Connecticut Office of the Inspector General released footage earlier this week showing this woman identified as 51-year-old Susan LaPrize going into the lobby of the Bristol PD on October 5th after 10:30 p.m. holding a gun, banging on the glass with the weapon multiple times for four seconds later shooting the gun at the door. She was eventually tased. She was then subdued by the officers. Body camera footage posted by local affiliate WTNH shows the incident from the officer's point of view. They ordered her to get on the ground and one lets off shots from behind the door before running into the area, okay? The prize is reportedly facing illegal discharge of firearm, criminal mischief, criminal use of a weapon, and criminal intent, attempt to commit murder with special circumstances, along with an array of other charges. She was apprehended. Now, who do you think she's charged with trying to commit murder against? The police. There's more. Before entering the police station. The woman was drinking at a local bar, according to NBC Connecticut and CT Insider, citing court documents. She confided in a woman that she had the weapon on her and would go to the police department to demand that they kill her or I will shoot them. Out of the blue, she starts to talk about how she has a disabled son, how she feels trapped, okay? The woman told law enforcement, her CT insider. She added that uh, LaPrize allegedly said her boyfriend was a cop and that she decided to take the gun from him. The outlet later confirmed that he is, in fact, a former NYPD police officer. The outlets reported that the woman gave LaPrize advice on where to receive mental health, mental health treatment, and talked her into going home. However, she went to the station instead. The incident left about $26,000 in damages and investigation for multiple agencies is underway. Once again, I am happy to see life being preserved. And I'm glad to see nuance being allocated because possibly there is a mental health dynamic here. What I'm saying to you, what I'm submitting to you is that let's not only apply the narrative when a white woman engages in actions like this. Now. More information will come out as to her why. But no matter what that conclusion is, 
How many times have you seen unarmed black and brown human beings who were killed because they were having a bad day and had no weapon on them at all? Hmm? Did anybody speak up for them? Did anybody provide nuance for their mental health struggles that day, the difficulties of their life? No, they would have called all those actions premeditated. All right. We will bring you updates as they come. We got more on the other side. Bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Charles Brandt, commentator, Young Voices. Uh, just began his final year of study at George Washington University Law School. Congratulations, dear sir. Glad to have you on the program. All right. We're going to chop it up about the, I don't know what to call it, chaos as it relates to the GOP House Speaker role. Um, so I don't want to know what you, what you presume or believe about that leadership dynamic. Uh, so I would just pose this question to you. Why does it seem as if Republicans are more dysfunctional than the average politician? Hi, Dr. Ritchie. Thank you so much for having me on today. You know, you pose a really fundamental question about the nature of the GOP conference. And it's something uh, the GOP conference performs very differently from the Democratic caucus when it's given power. Nancy Pelosi is an extremely gifted legislator, whether or not you agree with her or not. She is able to get her caucus in line and march them in to vote things up or down. The GOP is naturally more rambunctious and has more disagreement amongst itself. And as a result, often struggles to do even the most basic things like, for example, selecting a speaker. Okay, I'm with you in modern context on that sentiment. I'm not with you on historical context because there are some avenues we are currently exploring that are unprecedented. We've never had a speaker leave term midterm. All right, we've never had this happen. That's why people are in disarray. Uh, we've never had the rules to be changed prior to someone becoming speaker to allow this to be a possible reality. So I would submit to you that part of it is because over the past few years in the GOP in particular, uh, they have started to dismiss what's called their platform or political floor. They no longer have a launching pad of ideas that bring them together. At one point, you could go to a conservative and say, what are the conservative values? And they could tell you. Now, not so much. They're not running on politics or policy. They're running on personality. And their personality is centered around Donald Trump. And because of that, I think they no longer have a center or a true north, even if that's a thing for them. It has created significant disarray inside of the leadership structure of the GOP. Do you see it differently than I do? Sadly, Dr. Ritchie, I don't. Um, you know, the GOP is really struggling to find its principles, its lodestar, uh, that guiding force that's supposed to tell you what to vote and how to vote. Uh, when things are personality driven as they currently are, um, you get really bizarre behavior 
For example, you have individuals like Nancy May saying, on the one hand, we need a speaker ASAP, and then voting down the individual who just won uh, the GOP conference nomination, that individual being Scalise. She basically forswore that she would not vote for him on the floor. So you're seeing individuals with fundamentally inconsistent positions. Mind you, this individual in the past has said Matt Gates is a fraud. Now she seems to be allies with him. She's been uh, a, a, an enemy of President Trump and then gone to Mar-a-Lago and filmed a video, a kind of very supplicating video, kissing up to the president. Well, so let, me, let me say this. Let me offer one thing for the record because I, you know, I, I can understand why a Republican would not want Scalise. I mean, the guy said that he was uh, David Duke without the baggage. Uh, and David Duke uh, being a Klansman, uh, that's probably not the person you would like to serve as your leader, someone who um, happily compared themselves to a leader of the KKK. Would you not agree? I would take Nancy Mace's charge with a grain of salt. Um, a member. Well, what about Scalise saying that he's, uh, you know, a, a Klansman without the bag? What about that? I'm not familiar with the charge, but I okay. am familiar with the comments of a Democratic representative in response to the charge. And he came out in defense of his friend Scalise, with whom he has disagreements, but with whom he respects. Yeah. As what, what Democrat said that? I cannot recall the name, but I know for a fact it happened. All right, listen, uh, get me that name so I can put my foot up that Democrat's ass who said that. And I mean that. All right, go ahead, continue. Sir. I will. I will after the show. Uh, remind me, please. Uh, so you have a lot of moving parts right now, Dr. Ritchie. You have debates over conference amendments within the GOP. Uh, right now, as the rules currently stand, it only takes 50% of the caucus to nominate an individual to run for speaker and to take that person to the floor. Uh, some individuals are proposing amendments to lower, to, excuse me, raise that to 217 uh, to spare the GOP from the embarrassment of dysfunction, that of which we saw when McCarthy had to go through 15 rounds of votes. Um, another individual, I believe it's Kat Timpf, has proposed an amendment to raise it to 80% from 50%. Uh, but the goal is the same. Uh, as you've alluded to, uh, Scalise is out. Um, on Wednesday, he announced his interest in running. He put his hat in the ring. And on Thursday, he was already out. This is after he won the conference nomination, I believe, 113 to Jim Jordan's 19. And so now you have two individuals running, Jim Jordan on the one hand, who very much has a household name and who has over the years burned many bridges uh, within the caucus and across the aisle. And you have an individual named Austin Scott. And Dr. Ritchie, if you've never heard of Austin Scott, a Republican representative from Georgia, you are certainly not alone. Indeed, well, I, I know never Austin. I've been in Georgia, but I, I know Austin. Oh. Well, you might be able to tell me more about him than I know myself, but he has put his hat in the ring and Austin is quite different or Austin Scott, excuse me, is quite different from Jim Jordan in that he's not a household name. He's a member of the House Intelligence Committee and he chairs an agriculture subcommittee, but he has less of a household name and less of a reputation and that could be good or bad. You know, people might be less likely to support him, but they might be less apt to tank his nomination over controversial things he's done in the past. But don't you think it's interesting that Jim Jordan, who received really, I was shocked at the vote count. I thought he would get more votes than that um, because he is a household name. Um, Democrats don't like him. I assume that more Republicans liked him 
than uh, did not. But then when the vote came out, hell, Republicans don't like them either, according to the vote, right? So then you have basically a no name in national terms, who is likely, in my opinion, going to either A, be competitive or get more votes than Jim Jordan. Which leads me to my next statement. I believe that this role, being the speaker, is one of those jobs where most people are saying, you know what? Mm, I don't know though. I don't know if I really want to do it. When before, this was the coveted position. This was the place you wanted to become. This was, we have a whole hierarchy inside of both political structures in order to make sure that we have a whip, deputy whip, a speaker, etc. That structure no longer is producing the leader that it was supposed to produce or designed to produce. And once again, I come back to the personality driven politics that we have today as a big reason for it. I I think that's absolutely right. I mean, the GOP front runner right now for the presidential primary is fundamentally a personality, not a policy driven person. I mean, after the terrible attacks on Israel by Hamas, Trump, who purports to be an ally of Israel, actually attacked Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, The man really can't put principle first. He can't get over the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu congratulated Joe Biden a week after he was elected. Um, And when an individual is so obsessed with self, their principles are going to suffer if they have any principles. Well, at all. and here's the other part of it, the irony you just brought up. And actually, war is bad all the way around. Nobody has clean hands in war. Innocent lives are killed because the vast majority of the people, they are against the war. You got to understand the context. People just want to work, pay their mortgage, pay their utilities, get food, take care of the children. But you have Trump who has said something that would have gotten, let's say, Kanye West canceled, okay? He says it, the people that support him, they are right in line with Hannity and others about their support. But then Trump comes off message, says something off brand, says something that would have gotten anyone else canceled, but he gets to avoid the criticism and the cancellation so to speak, that would be afforded to anyone else. Why do you think that is? You know, I honestly don't know, Dr. Ritchie. I I view Trump as as really a disgraced candidate. Um, Mm. But But he's number one. It's true. Many of his voters are disillusioned by the establishment. And they view Trump as the best vehicle to advance their mission of tanking the establishment. What about advancing the mission of bigotry, advancing the mission of racism, advancing the mission um, of um, out loud discrimination? You don't think that's part of it? Because virtually 100% of people who are members of the Klan, they support Donald Trump. Uh, The white supremacist organizations that say they are white supremacist organizations, 100% of them support Donald Trump. There's a reason he resonates to that community, is it not? 
I think the reason is, is that he says outlandish things that can be construed as racist, whether or not he believes them or not. He's a bombastic person. See, that part isn't important. His belief in things is not important because he's a man who has no principle. He has no core. So his belief is irrelevant. It's what he's willing to do that's relevant. And we see that he's willing to do what he wants people to believe he is. That part is imperative to understand. So while he's offering these statements, he understands that these are coded statements. He understands he's talking in code to people. He gets it. He knows his crowd. He's not a dummy. He understands how to read an ROI, return on investment. He knows the folks that support him and the folks that don't. So he says things that are inflammatory to men like myself in order to motivate men who are bigots. He does that intentionally. I don't know, Dr. Ritchie, that Donald Trump is a mastermind. That doesn't uh, take a mastermind, dear sir. Um, well, I would note that Donald Trump did better among minority voters than Republicans have done historically. No, sir. Uh, Mitt Romney got more minority voters than he did. Um, proportionally? Black men voted way more for Mitt Romney than they voted for Donald Trump. Yes. I've seen fact. reports. I've I've seen reports in the opposite direction. And, um, and and out of that, out of those reports that you saw, sir, you saw what's called a numeric uptick because of an elevated voter turnout. You have to look at it based on what's called per capita or percentage. Percentage wise, Romney, based on all of the voters that voted, got a higher percentage of minority votes than Donald Trump. Look it up when you get a moment. All right. Well, well, thank you for that. Um, I will. Um, listen, Donald Trump is not someone who thinks about the things he says. I do not view him as someone with- You really think he never, never thinks about anything he says? I'm not saying he's a deep thinker. Have you read the Truth Social post? There's not a lot of thinking going on. See, thinking doesn't have to be intelligent. Thinking can just be linear. I do believe he thinks about what he's saying, but he's not terribly deep. He's not a yeah. deep individual. He's surface. No. Mm-hmm. He's cause and effect. But even cause and effect requires thinking, even if it lacks depth. Mm-hmm. And I think he lacks depth, but I do believe he is a thinking person when he submits certain things. Yeah. I think the basic problem with Donald Trump is that if you say a nice thing about him, he likes you. It doesn't right. matter how disgusting yep. or despicable you are. If he's that found point. out that David Duke has said something rather nice about him, it's going to be really hard for Donald Trump to come back and say something nasty about Donald Duke. That is so true. That on that, sir, we agree 1000%. But even that requires some level of thinking. All right, I appreciate you being on the show. Good luck in law school, man. We hope to have you back, okay? Thanks so much, Dr. Ekti. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.